Welcome to Big Questions. This is Cal Fussman, and this week's episode is directly linked to last week's. Last week, we had Tim Staples, author of Break Through the Noise, which after only a few days became an Amazon bestseller. Tim is the CEO of Shareability, a company that knows how to make messages go viral. The odds of making it to the front page of YouTube every day are one in two million. Tim and his company have done it 35 times, and he explained how last week on Big Questions. It made this old school guy decide to enroll in the new school. And as soon as I did, I had an epiphany. Tim told me that the average attention span has been reduced to about three seconds. That's what we have to make somebody pay attention to us. I thought, oh man, I know a guy who can do that every time, anytime he wishes. He can make people look closely at him immediately. His name is Jeff Savilico. Maybe you've seen him. He's got a show on the Las Vegas Strip at The Paris. He's been called Entertainer of the Year by Vegas Incorporated. He juggles bowling balls and butcher knives, balances bicycles and ladders on his head. He gets kids to spin plates on sticks. And wherever he goes, you just can't take your eyes off him. When he was a boy, he was nicknamed Jeff the Juggler. Now, he's the CEO of his company. He commands some pretty nice fees speaking and emceeing events around the world because you just can't take your eyes off him. I thought of Jeff after I saw a quote on Tim Ferriss' most recent Five Bullet Friday email, a quote by Herbert Simon. Goes like this. A wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. When I saw that quote, I realized that Jeff owns the superpower that everybody craves in this age. When he's in action, we cannot stop looking at him. So I asked him to come on Big Questions to talk about what he's going to do with this superpower. I know he's got big plans, plans to impact a lot of people. And you're about to hear a conversation that will make you all wonder what you might get out of your own talents and skills. I have a sense it just may open a window for you to see the best in yourself. It's a wonderful conversation and exactly the reason I love this podcast. Everything seems to be coming together. I got to meet Jeff on the strip in Las Vegas and I presented him with a sportique hoodie and comfy tee. And as he whistled at the softness of the fabric, I said, yep, that's my sponsor. I did another podcast while I was in Las Vegas with David Griffin, who's running the New Orleans Pelicans franchise in the NBA, National Basketball Association. You'll hear it next week. David and I were both descending in an elevator at the Vidara in our sportique hoodies, and I swear, Another rider in the elevator looked at us and said, you guys in fashion? 
Oh, yes, I am. Every time I put on a sporty hoodie, I am in fashion. And let's face it, everybody needs at least one hoodie, and that hoodie should be Sportique. So check out Sportique.com, S-P-O-R-T-I-Q-E.com, and use the offer code CAL for a 20% discount. And if you're looking for a discount on Office Space, check out my other sponsor, WeWork. WeWork is always in fashion too, because each one is unique. Of the hundreds around the globe, no two are alike. Each one is designed to blend into its specific space. And you can choose between a communal table, glassed office, conference room, podcast space, even theater space. Some WeWorks have basketball courts. So go to www.we.co slash Cal. See what I'm talking about? and get yourself a 20% discount. I feel my best when I'm comfortable in my own skin, a sporty hoodie, and a WeWork Global Access Pass make it good to feel like Cal. All right, get ready to think about what you can ultimately find in yourself to impact the world, because that's what this next hour is about. Let's get straight. To Jeff Savilico. Oh man, I wish I had recorded the last <laughs> five minutes. My outburst. Your outburst when I told dropped on you Oof. what I had thought about going into this conversation and how that made you feel. <laughs> it got real. It got real. It got real, real quick. So, so just the backdrop. I'll let everybody in on it. Last week, if you listen to Big Questions, you know, I was having a conversation with Tim Staples. He's the CEO of ShareAbility, and he creates videos that go viral. And he explained that basically every day on the front page of YouTube, one in two, you got a one in two million shot of making it to that front page. Wow! And he's done it, he and his company, 35 times. So he knows how this works. And I, I read his book and I've been thinking about this all week. And then I get to talk to you with the realization that you, Jeff Sibilico, command the world's greatest superpower at the moment. Other people can look at you as the juggler, but the reality is that you have the power to make people pay attention within one or two seconds. You're one of the few people on earth that has that power. Wow. And I couple that with a quote I saw on uh, from Tim Ferriss. He was passing it along. Uh, it went something like, a wealth of information leads to a poverty of attention. Mm. What's necessary in this day and age is this ability to command attention mm. immediately. And you, Jeff, you've been doing this all your life because anybody who watches you juggling bowling balls and butcher's daggers. <laughs> and, butcher's and, dagger. 
<laughs> getting a little excited yeah, here. Yeah, no, I like it. And uh, you had even, even, a even more dangerous than a butcher's head. knife or a medieval dagger. A butcher's dagger. <laughs> <laughs> and you do this not only in Las Vegas on big stages, but around the world. Companies call you in. And it's more than juggling because they know that what you do gets people's attention. Mm. And after that, whatever message they want to get across, they've got the crowds leading in. Right. So we'll, we'll just briefly summarize how you got to be Jeff Svilico and owner of this superpower. But to <laughs> I me, never thought of it like this, by the way. I, I, only in the I appreciate last, that. Only in the last week after I met Tim, did I fully understand what you own and what you're capable of. And so that puts me in the, <laughs> in the position of saying to you, to you, okay, Jeff, what are you going to do with it now? Yeah. Now you've got this gift. Oof. What are you going to do with it? And then you dropped the parable of the talents on me. Yeah. Why don't you just <laughs> tell the story of the parable of the talents and then sure. we'll, we'll go back and pick yeah. it up from there. So it's been a while since my mother read this to me, but uh, I'm pretty sure it goes a little something like this. There's a master, he has three servants. The master leaves for a while and he entrusts a certain number of talents to each of the three servants. He gives, let's say, seven talents to the one servant, five talents to the second servant, and one talent to the third servant. He leaves for a while comes back and he wants to know what happened. What, what did the servants do with the talents? The first one doubled the money. The second one doubled the money. The third one who was only given one talent, he was scared. So he hid and buried the talent. So he just had the one talent that he gave back. And the lesson of course is that burying your talents is bad, right? That, that hiding that, that you need to have your talents out in the world. You need to put things in motion to grow, right? So, so the master, of course, admonished the, uh, the servant who didn't grow the talents and, and he praised the, the servants who did. So- Take a risk. Exactly. Take, take risks, embrace life. There's, everything in life is dynamic. You're, you're either moving forward, you're moving backwards, you're growing or, or you're retreating. And so that's always been- in the back of my head, I feel like I, I I never wanted to be that person who was given something and buried it. I wanted to be that person who puts it on the line. And I've doubled down many times in in my little career here, whether it's just moving on while I'm comfortable before I get too comfortable. I left theme parks after two summers because I'm thinking there's got to be something more. You know, I want to do more than this. I left cruise ships after a few years, came to Vegas. So it's gotta be, gotta be more than cruise ships. Like I liked it. I left before I was unhappy. A lot of people stay too long in a, in a certain market. I came to Vegas, get the Vegas show going. This is great. There's gotta be something more. Let's, let's make some impact. Let's make some difference. Let's give back. Let's build things. Let's inspire the youth. And so that's something that's always kind of stuck with me. Okay, so let's quickly just summarize how Jeff the juggler is going to turn into Jeff with the superpower. Sure. So Jeff the juggler, yeah, it's what I was known as since I was a little kid, learned how to juggle uh, but at an early just back age. Up, tell the story of how this happened because it's, it's important for people to know, uh, you mentioned your 
your family is like highly educated. Dad's a dentist, right? Yep. Uh, older brother, Gene, he's the uh, doctor from Harvard. Neuro, neurobiologist. There you go. Yep. And then uh, John. John's a dentist. John's a dentist. my dad. And then we Take got Jeff the, the juggler. And Jeff the juggler, baby. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no laughing, Cal. No laughing. Uh, no, I trust me. I've been well, de- you know, dealing with it my funny, whole life. The funny thing about this, now that you're putting together the parable of the talents, talents went to three people, Right. right. And, uh, and third servant, I was the youngest. No, the I, I get servant. it. Yeah. I got my one, my one talent is juggling. What am I going to do with that? I'm going to bury it, Cal. I'm going to bury it. Nobody likes juggling. So, so <laughs> your older brother uh, is studying at Harvard. Yeah, he went to Harvard. We were on a family trip visiting him and I got picked to be a volunteer by a street performer uh, named Peter Panic. Uh, then I, I say the name cause it'll come back around. And he, I did a little bit with spinning plates and it was really life-changing. I, I, loved being in front of the crowd, that rush of the crowd. Parents bought me a book on juggling, juggling for the complete klutz with the three bean bags. Got back from Boston to Philly, started doing juggling shows in my kitchen for my parents, my grandmother who lived with us at the time. And oh, I just on. never whoa, stopped. Whoa, 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 there's just something you're, we don't want to leave out here, which I, I thought was actually the, the best thing I've ever heard about Alzheimer's disease. Because usually when I hear of Alzheimer's disease, I just like feel terrible. But then you tell me, as you're learning to juggle, yeah. she was your audience every night. That's right. So, and I'm thinking, man, what a great <laughs> <laughs> new show every night. <laughs> I did the same 20 minutes for 10 years growing up. And it was she fantastic. loved it every night. Yeah, it was it was the opposite of, of Netflix, where you see the special, you know, what else you got? You know, now it's like, yeah, I'm gonna do the same, I'm gonna perfect these 10, 15 minutes for my grandmother. And and she loved it every That's time. Hilarious. Yeah, no, I, and that was really the first time when I started performing. And uh, yeah, I just never stopped. I mean, the shows just got a little bigger and hopefully a little better. Uh, but you know, did shows in the kitchen, then for families, family parties, block parties at school and theme parks. And, and I'm piecing things together from our last conversation, Jeff, because you were telling me that you learned so much uh, when you were working with children who had special needs. Yeah. Like that yep. was a completely different type of audience. Yeah. If you want, if you want an audience with no filter, you know, if you want to be able to tell if you're if you're connecting or not, you know, I, I did a, a show. It was actually the first show I've ever done. Uh, I was 14 years old. First public show outside of the kitchen was for Don Guinella. It was a special needs home outside Philadelphia and uh, life changing experience. I, I performed as my first time I showed up and said, I'm, a, I'm, I'm the entertainment, right? Which, yeah, I mean, who knows, right? Who knows if they're going to be into How it. old are the kids? Uh, it was boys and men. It was a home for um, developmentally disabled boys and men. So all, all ages. So, uh, but it was great, great opportunity to learn again, if you're connecting, because if, if you're not, if you're not connecting, they're just going to do something else, you know, boring. They're going to start talking. So they start playing duck, duck, goose in the middle of your show. They don't care. Right. They're not, they're not gonna, exactly going to be tactful. You know, okay, we'll just endure this. Uh, this kid is doing the show, but uh, I kept doing shows at that school. And then that just grew. So from what there, did they so. teach you? about engagement oh, and man. connection. In, well, exactly what you said, engagement. You need to engage. I learned very quickly that although it was presented as a juggling show, it wasn't a juggling show, right? No, nobody wants to watch a juggling show. They want to be entertained. They want to laugh. They want to think. They want to get involved. And so- So even at that early age, you understood, hey, there is much more to be taken from my talent. Absolutely. That that really got hit 
home hard for me. Then the, the next summer when I got hired to be a juggler at Bush Gardens in Williamsburg, uh, I got hired as the juggler. And then I went to work my first day. I had to do six shows a day for six days a week. So I stood up there juggling and I could just tell this isn't what I was hired for because people are just walking by. No one's paying attention to me. Right? I'm outside. It's a theme park. Nobody cares. And I realized that moment, oh, they actually, although they, they, they called it a juggler, they wanted an entertainer. They wanted someone to engage with the audience, to stop, to make people watch and build a crowd. And then you build a crowd and then disperse, have fun, have a great day, kind of create these moments. That's the definition of going viral, build a crowd. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So yeah, it was all about how do I, how I would start with the front row. I would, that was the hardest part was getting the front row. Because then if you have a front row, literally, if it's just one family, four, four people, three people, whatever it's two people, you're the front row, right? And you bring a kid up on stage and have them cheer. Everybody wants to watch, you know, just like back to, back to YouTube. Everybody wants oh, to see what's on the first page. Yeah, they're going to share it with their friends. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes. So nothing draws a crowd like a crowd, right? That's what everybody, street performers always say. So the whole idea was get a crowd because once you get a crowd, you're going to get a crowd, you know, <laughs> much bigger crowd, right? So you have to create that, that small kind of crowd from, from nowhere, really, right? Even if it's just one person. So I used to always use a kid at first to, because everybody, you know, kind of melts the audience, brings people together, bring a kid up on stage with who was from a family so that there's your built-in front row to cheer for the kid doing some little bit. And then it would kind of grow from there. But yeah, it's a, it's a great point because- I realized at an early age, we're talking 14, 15, 16 years old, that the skill set I was hired for was not the skill set actually that was needed to excel in the job. The skill set I was hired for was juggling. Can you juggle? I remember for the audition, I stood in front of Emil Trimble, was her name, the entertainment director at the time, and with a clipboard. And literally she was like, okay, so juggle for me, right? Like juggle for me, monkey, right? And I just like juggled. I was like, no, I juggled a bunch of like, I can do the balls, I can do the rings, the clubs. She's like, great, like you can juggle. You're hired. You're hired to be our juggler. And then it was six shows a day, six days a week. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This was, this was not what I signed up for, right? But I mean, thank goodness that happened because that was where I learned just kind of being thrown oh, in into You the understood mix. virality like on a different, level but it's the same thing mm. and that's what what year were we talking about this before the internet oh yeah so i was at that at that age i was i worked there when i was 16 and 17 born in 83 so 99 yeah so you you had this seed planted inside you before everything would explode and it would become so needed now now that it, as the internet gets going uh, how does your career take off so from theme parks i worked on cruise ships because everyone in the theme park dressing room was trying to get onto cruise ships and i it's a true story i remember this we were all sharing a dressing room all the different you know, magicians and dancers and singers and I was the last one, everybody had gone home and I was the last one and I saw a piece of loose leaf paper and it had cruise ship agents written down on it. There was like three or four of them because all the dancers, all the singers were mailing off their VHS demo tapes <laughs> to get hired on cruise ships. So I thought, huh, now, now you would have snapped a picture with your phone, right? Yeah. Right. So instead I took the list and I mailed my VHS tape off to these cruise ship agents and I got picked up by one of them. 
So that's, that's how that happened. I didn't even, I had no idea what I was doing at that point. So I sent off a bunch of tapes, got picked up by one. And, but I was in college. I remember this, I got called for my first cruise ship gig. And they're like, hey, you start, you know, next week, you got to fly to St. Martin. I'm like, uh, I'm in school. <laughs> like, I'm at Georgetown. Yeah, I was, like, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was at school doing my thing. And they were, they were like, what? Uh, and I still remember what one- What are you one doing of, at Georgetown? One of the Jeff agents- the juggler? He, yeah, one of the agents called me and he said, uh, he literally, it was like an old timey movie now, like suspenders and cigar. He said, what, you're in school? He goes- kid, go climb the mountain and then call me back. Click. Like he literally said, go climb the mountain and call me back, kid. Like, what? <laughs> I just pictured like the door literally slamming in my face. Like, you want to be a star? Go climb the mountain, kid. Like, tell me when you're famous. So I, I do remember that. But but one of them did pick me up and I said, hey, I've got to I've got to go on my breaks. Like I'll go on Christmas break, spring break, summers. But I mean, I'm in college like for the next four years. So and now, what are you studying at Georgetown at this point? So- I, I, at the time I was just taking, you know, classes, a little bit of everything, but I was drawn to world religion classes and a lot of people are, oh man, the parables coming back. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't think about that. I, see, I didn't even think about that. Everything's coming together uh, here. <laughs> You're good, Cal. You're good. But uh, you know what? When I think about it now, it makes sense for me because we got to school uh, the first week of September uh, 2001. Oh, right. Man. So I literally remember there was like a reggae night. It was part of an orientation, like a reggae party outside on the lawn, like food. And I remember being woken up the next morning and in September 11th, right? Everybody's in the common room watching, you know, George W. Bush on screen and it brought us together. And I remember just taking classes because at the time I was already performing, kind of knew what I was going to do. And my parents, again, very supportive, they said, study what you like, study what's interesting to you. So study what you, what you find interesting, which is so refreshing because that, that's, I think that's the best advice you could give, uh, especially at a liberal arts college, right? I mean, study, it, it's not Votech. Like I wasn't, uh, you know, I was, I was in school to learn and, and I had no, um, no kind of uh, restrictions on that. And so I was drawn towards different religions because in my head, I think a lot of it, I wanted to know why these people were trying to blow us up on a very basic level, like why, why are people flying planes in our buildings? There's obviously some huge cultural rifts here and, and, and I want to learn more about it. So I kind I became a world religions major almost accidentally because I met with my Dean. I remember this maybe a third year and uh, like, you know, what are you going to major in? Cause I was already performing. I would do shows on, on chips and at corporate events. I used to host at DC improv uh, in, in Washington, DC. And uh, my, my dean, you know, said to me, well, you're, you know, almost at a world religions major, believe it or not. Cause I, I took like voodoo. I took black church of Jamaica. I took, uh, <laughs> I took, you know, intro to Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, Judaism. And, and it was just interesting to me. Right. I just studied what I thought was interesting. And, you know, I, I uh, had, you know what, let's just take a, a step off the side here. Are all the parables the same in all the religions? Is it the same story told in a different way? I mean, I think a lot of the points are the same, obviously, because the the points of of the, the parables were all just, you know, one would be focused on gratitude, one would be focused on patience, on on kindness. So, I, obviously, different faith traditions express that in different ways and get those points across. But uh, yeah, I would say it's all you know, kind of the same stuff, right? So now you're becoming a master of the parable at Georgetown. You got agents telling you to climb the mountain before you call them back. 
You're Jeff the juggler. Yeah. And like, what happens when you go back home for Thanksgiving and, you know, one brother is graduated with a doctorate in Harvard. The other is going to be a dentist. And what's yeah. the Thanksgiving dinner like? Well, it's not what people think, right? People always try to create like tension and all this weirdness <laughs> and drama that doesn't exist. My brothers and I have a great relationship. We're texting constantly. We're, we talk on the phone. We see each other on a fairly regular basis. They do a Vegas trip every January, which is great. Uh, we do a week at the Jersey Shore in August as a whole family with all the kids, extended family. I'm home for a, every major holiday. And because I travel a fair amount, I'm able to either be in New York, Philly, D.C., swing by. And uh, so I, it, it, we're close, which, which people... People have a hard time understanding. I think there's a, there's a respect there. There's a mutual respect that although the fields are different, you know, I, I can't do what my brothers do. My brothers can't do what I do. And we know that. And it makes it makes life pretty interesting because when we do connect, we do talk in person on the phone. There's always a lot to talk about because Gene will be talking about uh, uh, giving a conference, a talk on optical imaging to a, at a neuroscience conference in France or something. And John will be talking about building the dental practice and transitioning from, you know, with, with, with my father, uh, they bought a new building, new, new technology, new, you know, new, taking Everybody's classes. getting the most out of their talents. And what are you doing? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I'm not burying it, Cal. <laughs> really? It's that. And, and for me, it's like, well, you know, I got the show and I'm building this nonprofit and I, I well, the let's, history let's museum. Talk and, like, yeah. how, how did that come into play? Because I, I remember the, when we started talking a while back, you were telling me that like, you don't like to be called Jeff the Juggler. You know, like, you, yeah, you, man, I'm not crazy about it. <laughs> I mean, I am a grown-ass man, Cal, you know? <laughs> Dude, I will say this. There's something, I, I remember this. Z Hussein, and he's the channel chief at AT&T Channels, a, a channel partner, has done a bunch of events for the hosting. So we've become decent friends, you know? We'll see him backstage, we chat a little bit, message on LinkedIn and everything. We share podcasts and everything. I've told him about big questions, by the way. He'll definitely yeah, be listening. Thank you. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, at one point I'm realizing, like, I'm standing, I'm holding a six foot tall giraffe unicycle, <laughs> talking to the CEO, the channel chief of AT&T, channel partners. It, it's very, very difficult to, to look and feel intelligent <laughs> when you're holding a six foot tall giraffe unicycle. But, but that's this, that's what makes people stare. That's the, well, the gift. That's the super talent. That's the superpower. Unicycling <laughs> is the superpower. No, I, I, you know, I used to feel weird about it. I really did because as I got older and and my <laughs> friends became lawyers and doctors and finance guys, everything else, you know, it is, it is, the contrast becomes much more stark and much more real because a lot of the, the people that you're talking to, like, oh yeah, this is my friend, John. This is my friend, Eric. I see that. And, and we all were roommates in college, right? We're a group of friends. We still get together uh, every year for a, a reunion trip. And it's when we go out and about, it's like, yeah, this guy, you know, he's a JD MBA. You know, this guy's an economics consultant. And this guy's a pediatric uh, heart surgeon. It's like, and I'm still Jeff the juggler. <laughs> like, but obviously at a much higher level. And I would argue that I, on, on a, on a, I'm the same level, right? I got a show in Vegas. I'm performing. I'm, I'm, I'm You're excelling. You're the CEO of a company. I'm right, exactly. Okay. That, well, thank there you, you go. Right. There you go. Well, yeah. So it's not like, you know, poor me bust out the, the fiddle, I, but it's, it is a joke, right? It, it, there's, there is humor involved in that because of the contrast is so hilarious, right? So 
um, I embrace it now. I used to be weird about it. And I think it was because I was in, insecure, uh, right? But I feel like I'm at a point now and I'm established enough. It also helps when you're making good money, right? Like when you're not, when you're, when you're the starving artist and all your friends are doctors and lawyers, you feel more uncomfortable. When you're on their level financially and you are really kind of considering yourself the CEO of, of your own business and you have employees and you're, you know, it, there's something, there's something empowering about that, that financial success that kind of gives you the, the credibility, I feel like among uh, peers and, and, you know, for better or for worse, that's helped me when I, when I reached a, a level that I feel like I'm in their world, it's like, Hey, yeah, you're, you're, you're doing legal, you're doing healthcare, you know, you're, I'm doing entertainment. It's not like, Jeff the juggler, right? But but there's always that there's always that little voice in the back of your head, like, do, 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 right? Um, and man, I just bumped into a guy last. Okay, so my my college roommates, uh, his wife's his wife's uh, brother bumped into him. I just did a corporate event for StubHub. I performed at the National Association of Ticket Brokers, and he came up to me. And you know, we're not supposed to know each other. We don't really know, but he knows when he heard when they said, "Oh, please welcome Jeff Silico." He's like, "Oh my god!" Like. That's Alyssa's, like one of Alyssa's best friends, college roommate. Like, holy, holy cow. Like he's, he's our entertainer. Right. And so we were laughing about it and I'm talking to this guy and, you know, he's like, ah, oh, you know, I went to Wharton, you know, I live in San Francisco now. I do, you know, like I do strat strategic accounts for StubHub and stuff. And we're looking and talking to each other and like our lives could not be more different. Right. It's just funny. Like he had literally just seen me up on stage uh, throwing marshmallows in, into people's mouths from a six foot tall <laughs> unicycle and balancing a 14 foot ladder on my chin. Right. And, and so it's kind of, it's kind of hilarious in, in a way. And, and, but now I embrace that. Right. So before I get a shied away from that. So, uh, yeah. So, so now I'm a little more proud to be, to be Jeff, the juggler. Well, now that you know that you own this superpower that billions of people are desiring the question is like, where can you take that? Because I know from our last conversation, you did start a nonprofit because you kind of wanted something more out of the whole thing. I mean, you took care of yourself financially mm -hmm. and it was okay, but what do I really want to get out of it? So I, I guess yeah. the, the, that's the question, where can this magnificent talent to make people pay attention ultimately take you? What do you want to get out of it? Well, I think it's important to note, I, as a kid, I dreamed of having a Las Vegas show. That was always my goal. It was this golden ring to reach for. And I worked, I worked really hard to get that show. A lot of hustle, a lot of drive, a lot of, you know, tears, blood, sweat, tears, uh, financial uh, com you know, commitments, it, very difficult. Got the show. And that was supposed to be like, I've arrived, I've made it, I've got the show now, I'm set. And there was this really, really kind of uh, powerful now, I realized, switch in my, in my head that happened where I realized I got the show, like that's now the beginning. So what I thought was the end is now the beginning because now I have a platform. Ain't so now people works. care, now people listen, now people they're buying tickets right and now people you know Penn and Teller and Donnie Marie and Chris Angel and David Copperfield those obviously different levels but they're a little bit my peers now right like I'm I have a show on the strip plays on the marquees just like those guys I have billboards in town like ticket brokers are my shows listed right there with everybody else and now that we've been here almost 10 years 
as an established show, it's same, you know, even more so. It's not like, oh yeah, a guy had a show for six weeks and it failed. The show is still running, which is a big deal in Vegas. It's it's hard to do that. And so I feel like there was a switch in my of mindset when I realized, oh, this golden ring that I've been reaching for for so many years, literally since I was seven years old. At 27, I got the show. So 20 years of trying to trying to make it. I realized like I made it. But that didn't mean to, anything. To get to the starting point. Exactly. Now now everything is readjusted and now I'm starting over again. But now it's fun because now I've got a platform and people care and I, people will listen and I can utilize that for good. And I can, it, it, then it's just fun, right? Because I, 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 on a certain level, I have established myself and I'm not, I'm not clawing anymore. I'm still hustling. I'm still working hard. But I, I was in the Maldives for a, a, an event, you know, a few weeks ago, I'm going to Aruba with FedEx office in a few weeks. You know, I've been, it's like, it's, I fly to Nassau tomorrow for a corporate event. Like it's, it's fun now, right? People are paying for my services and the events are great. And the shows are at the Paris are full. And so it's a different, it's a different level, right? You still have to, still have to work hard, but um, yeah, I just think that it's, it's worth pointing out that mindset. I feel like a lot of people do that, right? A lot of people in life, like whether, you know, they might, they, they, maybe they, they want to get married. That's the goal. Okay. You're married. Congratulations. Now it's the beginning again. Like, what do you want to do now that you have that partnership? Like, what do you want to build together? Same thing. I want to be a CEO, right? I hear that all the time. I want to be, or even just, you know, I want to be a lawyer. Okay. So you, you become a lawyer. Like, so what? Like now you're what are a you lawyer. Gonna do it? What are you going to do? That, it? Man, this is what this conversation's about. Yeah. And you know what? It's, so, a, it's an interesting thing. Because I want to touch back on something you were saying about that dream of getting to Vegas. Because you have a great line in your show, and I don't want to blow it for anybody. Go see the show. <laughs> but you you get to a point where you're going to juggle with a bowling ball. Yeah. And you put it on the ground. And then you are able to like flick it with your foot up <laughs> into the juggling position. And you point out to the crowd, like, hey, that, that was three months of work here. <laughs> it was three months of my life. Yeah. Appreciate right. that. Yeah. 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 Life choices. <laughs> and, and it, it, it really does go to show how much time and energy and effort goes into that beginning stage when you think you're getting to the finish line. Absolutely. And that's why I love about that line. It's, it's almost saying, let's not forget what it took to get to the finish line that wasn't really the finish line. It was only the starting line. Right. Now you're off again. Right. Where does the nonprofit come in and where does your mind start to change, start to think of it differently in terms of, all right, what am I ultimately gonna do here? Yeah. So be before I answer that, do you mind if I go back for one second? You, sure. you talk about, you know, that three months of my life. Right. And I just want to say, I think all that hustle and all that at the time, those hours and hours of dedication. Now I'm so grateful for that because it's given me a respect for all art forms, music, sports. I don't care what you're good at. If you're really good at something, I understand like the discipline and the focus and the ups and downs and the mental toughness it takes to be really good at something. Cause I'm really good at something really random <laughs> juggling. So like really it changes, it no, changes. No. I feel like it, you appreciate life so much more because when, when I meet someone and they're 
really into you name it. I mean, like, uh, you know, you see, you see like an act here in absinthe or, or in the ultimate variety show and the roller skaters and they're, you know, the, the guys swinging the girl around by, by, you know, her feet on these roller skates on this four foot platform. Most people are like, Oh, that's cool. Like, can they do it backwards? Like they don't even think about it. Right. I'm like, yeah. I know what that takes and I can appreciate it, whether it's, whether it's that or whether it's watching like uh, elite sports or watching a, reading elite, a book and yeah. Yeah, which is it's just it's given me an appreciation for for life, and it, it sounds cheesy to say, but I I love watching excellence, whether it's like Nevada Ballet Theater or whether it's the Golden Knights. Right, the people who are at, at that top level are the best at what they do, and again, because I, I have a gold medal from the World Juggling Championships, right, <laughs> which, which is completely meaningless, right, in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, like really, who cares, right? But, uh, you know, what's funny is that I, I see that. I see in the main, more mainstream. Time yeah, how much time and energy. Anyway, and so I just, yeah, just throwing it out there. I, I am grateful for right? that, for that struggle. And, uh, you know, when I see someone who's like a world champion, you know, ice skater or a violin player or something, I'm like, on some level, like, I get that because from age seven to 27, I, I would juggle until I had blisters in my hands and I would do my homework as fast as I can so I could juggle until my mom and dad made me go to bed and I would wake up and juggle before school and I would juggle at lunch and all that. So sometimes I think like, what if I actually applied all that time, talent, discipline <laughs> to something that the market cared about, like <laughs> basketball or something, right? Like, you know, a sport or a, mu a real sport or music, I'd be like world famous <laughs> and super rich. But, but instead I'm like, no, I'm really good at juggling. Here's the thing. What I'm, this conversation is about how I have just tuned into this, that you may be on the cutting edge because you may have something that all those other people don't have. This ability to, in two seconds, make people pay attention to you. I mean, where else do you see somebody with like a bicycle balanced on their head? It just <laughs> only in my crazy world, gal, only in my crazy world. You're gonna life. look, right. You're, nobody's gonna turn away and, and you, have that gift. And not only that, but you have the gift with all that practice you put in to look around, spot other things and bring them into your act. So where ultimately, if you're thinking ahead 20, 30 years from now, and you could use all your talents and grow them as you please, what impact would you like to have on the world? I'm giving you the Man, chance. You are, you now, are dropping I'm, bombs, I, Cal. I'm telling you, I'm giving you the chance to like push all your chips out on the roulette wheel, knowing yep. that you have this superpower to spin it and hit your number. Wow. So win-win is my baby, for That's sure. That's your nonprofit. Win-win entertainment. How did that come yep. about? I want to tell you that, but I, I want to answer the other question. You okay, said, all right. right. So we're going to pause on win-win. All right, you, you, just, you just hit your number. Okay. So for me, it was about juggling first, then it was about entertaining, then it was about connecting. So I'm still in the connecting phase. So I love connecting with people, whether it's my Uber driver or whether it's performing for a thousand people. So for me, it's that next phase. Juggling was kind of how, what I fell into, right? Circumstantial, performer, got picked to be a volunteer, 
Uh, there was an arts background, there was a sports background, and that kind of combined with juggling. And that was my thing. Gave me my identity, youngest of three boys, Jeff the juggler. That's That was my thing. Whatever your thing is, I want to support that and encourage that. So that's how I've chosen to connect with people. The juggling is just a, a platform. It's just a medium I use to connect with people on stage and off, right? It's my excuse. So it's like, oh, who's this guy? Oh, he's got to show up to Paris. We get to show up to Paris. He shows up and juggles and tells jokes. But at the end of the day, it's 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 things so, like this, Cal. It's, it's so you, you, you actually have the potential to connect with anybody in the world. Language is no longer a barrier. That's true. Yeah, you're right. The visual helps that out a lot. Yeah, the, the visual connection and the, the artistic side of it. Yeah, okay. absolutely. All yeah, right. so so yeah, when you talk about hitching the number and all that, right. like I, I've now, you know, I've, I, I do some shows that are just straight up entertainment. I do a lot more hosting now, which is personality driven. And I'm starting to do more keynote talks, especially on the entrepreneurial side and for youth and for, you know, the, as like a passion speaker, right? About, about following your passions and about how to brand yourself because juggling is a weird Right, we are. Yeah, hobby you can to do brand. it with uh, Jeff you can the juggling. Do it juggling. Right, exactly. You can do it with exactly. Yeah, because well, and that's a great point because juggling. This is the toughest part: is juggling is perceived as juvenile. When you think of juggling, you think of circuses, clowns. Like you think of somebody standing, you know, outside of a store and juggling. Like for it's Bowling atmosphere, pins, it's background. Right, yeah. yeah, you don't think like. 20 grand, you know, like, yep. Give me the juggler. Like you know, really you think like, okay, we, we can have this amazing singer, this, this stand-up comedian or this like comedy juggling performer, you know, like you're automatically fighting a, a little uh, harder. You're digging out of a hole, the juggler hole. The juggle is real. The juggle is real. Let's coin that. Seriously. The, 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 we actually joke about that as, as the other jugglers that I'm friends with, like, you can say, oh yeah, he's a, he's a magician. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, 20, 25 grand. Like, oh, I, I get it. Like illusions and, you know, dancers is that it's like, oh, this juggler's like finalist on America's Got Talent. You know, he's won the Andy Kaufman comedy award. Like he's got a Netflix special. It's like, yeah, like 10 grand for a juggler. <laughs> like, huh? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Oh, but anyway, man. so I, I do love, I love kind of teaching through example, through action, other other kids, especially, obviously still applies to adults as well, but because I that little kid inside me, that, that like if I could do it with juggling, if I could brand it and make it a business, because at the end of the day, it is a business and there's different revenue streams and it's it's about everything else except the juggling. It's about your business sense, your ability to connect with people, to make people laugh, to move them, to your hard work, your hustle, you know, asking the tough questions, having all of that. If I can, if I can convey that, that if I can do it with juggling, then imagine what you could do it with whatever you're into. Because a lot of these people are, are into things that are the market already recognizes as much more profitable, right? Oh, you're you're into health and fitness. Great. Like you're not gonna have no fights there. Like everybody believes health and fitness is great. So like if you wanna, you know, open up gyms, you have to do supplements, you know, be a trainer, you can you can brand that. It's so much easier than juggling, right? It's like, I think the only thing harder would be like, uh, you know, a mime or something, right? Oh, <laughs> so even, I'm just I'm trying to get someone who's lower on the carny ladder, <laughs> like yo-yoers maybe. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're towards the bottom, Cal. We are, we are like, right? Yeah, You're not going I'm there. You're like, you, <laughs> you got a superpower 
And I want to know how you're going to use okay. it. Okay. All right. I'm trying to dodge it. Okay. <laughs> so I said win-win is my baby. And that is true, right? That So that is my that is my passion. That is that's something that's going to win. That's my nonprofit. Now, so win-win entertainment. How did the idea to start a nonprofit so, come? Right. So the first show I ever did was a charity show. So that goes to show you this: the seed was always there. That was a That was a life-changing experience for me. Not just on a career trajectory because that was the first time I ever showed up as an entertainer. And that was the first time I tried to do a show for anyone outside of my kitchen, but inside total game changer, because I, I felt so good doing that and that experience, right? I felt, I felt, I felt like I was really bringing joy. I was, I was making people happy and they loved, they loved it. Right. And, and I loved it. And so I kind of got addicted to that, right. To that feeling of fulfillment of, the show living on beyond those you know, 30, 40, 60 minutes, because I could tell that I'd really connected and I would do shows for them all the time. And it, and it grew from there. So talk about how the nonprofit came about. I never stopped doing charity shows from that moment on. And for me at the time, it was just a hobby. So it wasn't like I had this career going. And I'm like, oh, I got to carve out some time for charity work. I was a charity performer first. So most people are a professional first or whatever they do. And then once they establish some level of success, then they say, hey, you know what? I'm going to give back. Like things have been, life's been good to me. I'm going to pay it forward. For me, it was just a different story, not better or worse. You've but been I, giving back before you even had it. I, I had nothing to give back. I wasn't, I was, <laughs> wasn't any good, but I was still giving it. Uh, but yeah, I used to do these charity shows first. So, so that's just kind of my story. So then I, I would work at, you know, uh, perform for children's hospitals and foster homes and uh, I lived in Orlando and and I worked at Florida Hospital and Give Kids the World and these different organizations. And that was just kind of something that I did for fun because I enjoyed it. So again, I was doing that before I was a full-time professional entertainer. So when I became a full-time professional entertainer, which happened very organically, right? Somebody starts, you know, pay you 50 bucks a show. I remember the first show I ever did, actually first show I ever did, I got $25. <laughs> I was killing it, Cal. <laughs> I remember that. I performed for a tot lot, like a bunch of kids, like, you know, drooling on themselves, and like, you know, crapping their pants or something. And I, I was like a babysitter, right? I wasn't even like a performer. <laughs> I was like a babysitter who could juggle. Um, Jeff, the juggling babysitter. But I got paid $25 and, uh, you know, then uh, obviously then kind of grew, grew from there. Now I'm up, now I'm up to, uh, I'm up to a hundred dollars, hundred dollars a show. <laughs> So what, what happens uh, to get you to turn this sense of giving into something larger? So I get to Vegas and I, a couple things, kind of like a perfect storm. So social media had caught on fire at this point, right? So it was about 2000, I guess, nine, 2009 or so. So, in, uh, in, you know, Facebook and, and social media, everything was popping. I moved to Vegas, tons of performers here, more performers than, you know, had been in Philadelphia or uh, DC and arguably even Orlando. And then I get my show. So I had this elevated platform, right? There was more performers here in a small space and many performers who just had nighttime shows and didn't have much else to do, but were good people, wanted to put down roots, wanted to give back to the community and uh, met a couple people who really said, I think what you're doing here is is bigger than just you. Because I moved to Vegas and I started doing shows at UMC uh, Hospital, UMC Children's Hospital. 
And uh, I, I started doing shows at other hospitals and that. And then performers would see me post the pictures and say, oh, that, that, looks, that looks really awesome. I'd love to do that. And so I would arrange it for them because I knew the contacts, the hospitals. Because with hospitals, obviously, big organizations, a lot of red tape, get some approvals. I always knew the people to contact. So at a certain point, I was like a charity agent, right? No one was getting paid, just time and talent we were matching. But I had a stable of many performers that loved doing these charity events. And by this point, we were serving... Uh, you know, five, six children's hospitals, a couple foster homes. And so the PR director for the, for Cirque du Soleil at the time, this guy named Charles Barreau, uh, now is back in Montreal, but I, I had coffee with him. We got set up through mutual friends to have coffee. And Charles said, Hey, I think what you're doing here is bigger than just you texting your buddies. I think Las Vegas and beyond really needs this because performers love performing. They love sharing their, their talent. But just like all of us, we're all busy. They're not going to take that extra step to go call the hospitals, find out that, uh, what they have to do, what's the approval process, figure out where am I going to park? What do I need? Is there a sound system? It, you know, we're all, we're all busy. But if we could remove all those obstacles to, to give back, then we could get the performer community here in Las Vegas really engaged. So he, he volunteered to help me with like the 501c3 paperwork and kind of to actually form it. I didn't know anything about running a nonprofit board meetings and minutes and seconds and approvals and all that. And so he, with his guidance, we really started win-win with a third Patrick Bosworth, who was the head of strategy at the time for win brilliant guy now runs his own startup. But the three of us really kind of made this into an organization. It was already happening. It was already happening. And it just kind of exploded very organically. And, it's, it's a really nice story because you, you would expect that on the charity side, that would, that would, the, the charities would, would continue to evolve and there would become more and more who wanted to get involved because we're supplying them free entertainment. Like what charity doesn't, what hospital doesn't want free entertainment? What hospital doesn't want kids to laugh? Exactly. Yeah. But what's really awesome is it exploded on the performer side, which I didn't really see coming, to be honest, because now we have hundreds and we, we've done We've done, I mean, literally uh, over uh, well over a thousand events at this point, and and now we're in seven cities. So again, performers would see on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, they'd see and say, "Oh, well, when are you going to bring Win Win to Orlando, to Minneapolis, to Reno, to Orange County?" And so my board has had to kind of reel me in, right? They joke because you, you want to, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm like they joke, they're like Jeff's gonna next, but like we're doing shows on the moon, we're doing. <laughs> Charity shows on the moon. We're flying performers because I want to do like Get mission me trips. Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can Elon Musk juggle? Can he juggle? I'm going to teach him. We're going to do a little a passing act. Yeah, but you know, it's just it's it's a great story. The the growth of it because it it, it all we do is connect people. So we don't need like a ton of money to, we're not building facilities, this and that. We're, we're, we're a connection service. So we're really creating this, well, it's like an open source platform where performers can sign up, hospitals, foster homes, special needs facilities, et cetera, can sign up and the two get matched. So they can look and see the schedule. They can figure it out. They can sign up for events. Obviously we're, we're kind of controlling it to make sure everything's good. The performers have to do background checks or going into children's hospitals, get approved for their talent. It's professional entertainers, but it's, it's just- Now a, you're the one with the clipboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Juggle for me, monkey. <laughs> now I'm saying dance. 
No. <laughs> That's funny. I, I love too. So this is a kind of a, a lesser known part, but the when I thought of of Win Win Entertainment as an organization, I assumed it would be people like me, right? We all see it's through through our own lens, right? It's somebody doing a show, an entertainer, like a juggler, magician, ventriloquist. What I realize now, though, is that talent at that level is a very broad, all encompassing term. So now we have sports figures. Right. So we have the NFL alumni visit hospitals. Kids go nuts. This guy's from the Raiders. This guy, they're signing autographs. When when you're sick in a hospital and a dude who's like 6'10 walks in your room who played, you know, for the Rams and, and the Chiefs, and he can talk to you about like not giving up and being strong. And, you know, I mean, just really powerful stuff. We have like Miss Nevada now goes to you know, the Miss American organization. They they do hospital visits for us and Sure, we we have headliners, but we we also have stilt walkers and face painters and uh, DJs. So you know, we just had um, a friend Scotty B is a DJ in Orlando. He DJed uh, the prom for the at the hospital in in Orlando for Arnold Palmer Hospital, which one, and that's what they needed. They needed a DJ, but you know, for all the kids who've been there for for months, right? They have their own special prom, and so you know, he's he's leading you know, all the dances, right? Electric slide and, you know, Cupid shuffle and all that stuff. Like I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> when I, yeah, when I, I didn't think about that when I, when, 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 when was getting going. Right. But that's, that would have been more effective. Yeah. And you know what? Just to think of one of those kids having a great night, two of those kids having a great night mm-hmm. and then multiplying that by thousands, you know, making it exponential. You've, you've got, you're, you're, you're just at like the end of your first act, man. You're just starting act two. When you think of how many people you can influence with this astonishing. Yeah. I I really do believe for, for win-win this, the sky is the limit because what we're, what we did in Vegas, we, we operated in Vegas exclusively for about five years. And then we realized that we had a blueprint that we could duplicate. And so now we've opened up seven cities in the last two years and it's, we, we could be at 20 cities right now if we want, you know, it's, it's a question of just bandwidth, right? Because we don't have any paid staff, no one gets paid, all volunteer. And a lot of that falls on the board and uh, the chairman, the president, and a couple other board members that, that do a lot of the scheduling and the logistics and that is very time consuming. So on any given week now, we have three, four events in different cities. Wow, you're gonna need, we need you need to scale. Big time, yeah, we need, and that, this is kind of, we, we, we talk about this as a board, we just had our, our uh, semi-annual board retreat where we talk like, now we're kind of becoming a grown-up organization. So what does that look like? How do we cross the T's, dot the I's? How do we put everything in place that we can hire an executive director, development director, that we can, you know, hire marketing coordinators. We, people want to help, you know, FedEx office, I gotta give them a shot. FedEx office, they print and deliver all of our flyers to all of our programs for free. I did a, an event for Fed. I'm doing another one for FedEx office. And the CEO was really moved by our organization and hooked up this in-kind sponsorship. And so you might think like oh, flyer, it's not that big a deal, but think about this when you're in a hospital and you get a flyer under your door, your child life specialist gives you a flyer. Everybody's got their phone. So now they've got that performer's info. The social media's on there. They're watching that performer on YouTube. They're watching, they're, they're following them on Instagram. Then that performer literally walks in their hospital room, like two, three days later, that's powerful. 
because before that, that kid might not have known who that person was, right? But now they have that connection and it just takes the experience to the next level. And now they're following and they have a relationship with that performer. So again, win-win entertainment, right? So that performer is getting fans and building their fan base and with people who really care. And it, it's just, you know, a lot of love going around. So it's pretty, pretty powerful. I had one, one story that just happened this week. Uh, I was at Children's Hospital of Orange County and I did a show and I used uh, this kid named Wesley to be my volunteer. They were from Las Vegas, but they were at Children's Hospital of Orange County. Kid was awesome. He was bouncing around like jump like a jumping bean, man. He's full of energy. He's got the he's got the bra- you know IV on and bracelet, but he's like, I'm teaching him how to juggle. We're doing. He wants to get involved. He'd been in the hospital for like months, right? Obviously, he was cooped up. Ton of fun. I I say, hey, I give him my info. I say, hey, when you come to Las Vegas, you know, like, when you're better, you know, go back home. Like, come to my show. I'm gonna take care of you. Like, you'd be my VIP guests. They came to the show just this past Wednesday, and you know, I remembered him, of course, right. And his mom's like tears in her eyes afterwards. She was like, thank you so much. Like he was talking about this forever. He couldn't wait to like get back. He couldn't wait to see your show when he was better. And so, you know, you have these, these moments that come just like, oh man, you, you, you realize it's, it's so much bigger than yourself. It's so much bigger than, than uh, what you're doing, right? You know what? I, I'm gonna set up a time where you, Tim Staples, Mr. Shareability, and I get together and we're gonna talk this out. We're gonna send this viral. And I know this amazing woman, her name's Denise. She's a COO. I'm just finding out about all this stuff in business. Operations. That's what <laughs> you need, man. Operations. That's true. I'm One Denise, you have no idea what can be accomplished in the world. Denise, are you listening? <laughs> we need you, Denise. Please I'm help. bringing Denise to the Bring meeting. Bring in the big guns, please. But this, and this is my whole point about storytelling because this is going to go out there and people are going to hear it and we're going to get this to 20 cities. We're going to get this to 50 cities and kids in hospitals all over the place are going to smile and laugh all because... Of Jeff the Juggler. <laughs> that would be amazing. I would love it. Cal, I'd love it. I do really feel the sky's the limit. You know, I joke about the board trying to reel me in, but I have so many ideas. I want to, I want to create custom content in the hospitals with celebrities who come through town. Everybody's gonna want to be part of well, this. Well, can you imagine? Imagine this. Imagine if you're in the hospital and you can't find it on YouTube. You can't find it's just for just for you, right? It's just for in in room programming. Imagine if you had like you know, Imagine Dragons are, are here in Vegas, right? They come by the studio, they do an interview, they're talking directly to kids. You have Chris Angel teaching them a magic trick with something they can do with you know two rubber bands right in their bedroom. You have Celine Dion saying, you know, hey. You know, when I was sick, my mother used to sing this lullaby to me. So I'm going to sing this for you now. You know, oh, these, these really powerful, man. right? Wouldn't that be, because that's a way that we can oh, amplify man. our reach beyond the in-person, right? The in-person is extremely important, but let's say you're, you know, you're in Grand Rapids, right? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We don't have a hub in Grand Rapids. Maybe one day we will. But, you know, I, that was just, I don't know why I said Grand. That was Grand the first Rapids, state. we're coming we're your coming way. We're coming your way. <laughs> but, but really think about all the different spots that that aren't in a major market, right? They're not going to, they're not going to be able to get performers to do in-person business. We can amplify that reach beyond that with the, with, the, with at least some digital reach to make 
you know, kids feel special and, and, you know, wanted and, 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 uh, you know, just in a very unique way. That's not just like, Oh, I'm going to Netflix. It's like, this is just for me. This is the starting line. I don't know where it's going, but you know, from the moment, even before I met you, uh, when I was speaking at Georgetown, everybody said, you gotta meet Jeff Savilico. Or did they say, I, you gotta meet Jeff the Juggler? They did say Jeff the Juggler. Oh, thank God. And the way they described you made me love you before I met you. Uh-huh. But yeah. to see where this can possibly go is, it just makes my heart leap out of my chest uh, because thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe by the time you're in act three, millions and millions of I love kids that idea. will be touched by this. And I'm going to do everything I can to help you get there, brother. Well, if you were in the parable of the talents, I know you would have made your talents grow big time. And I'm, I am really looking forward to seeing that stash at the end of the line. <laughs> I'm not, not going to bury the unicycle. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Thank you, Cal. All right. Good man. We'll see you down the tracks. That about wraps it up. Want to thank Tim Ferriss for everything that has transpired since he convinced me to start this podcast. Tim, missed you at Franklin's Barbecue last week when I was speaking in Austin. But I'll be back. Hope to catch up with you then. I want to thank Matt and Jason at Sportique for the beautiful Big Questions t-shirts that I was able to hand out at my storytelling workshop in Munich. Those t-shirts are now at home, not only in Germany, but people are now roaming in comfort in England, Ireland, Latvia, and Switzerland. We're taking Sportique around the globe. If you'd like to check out how soft a Sportique hoodie or comfy tee can be, go to Sportique.com, S-P-O-R-T-I-Q-E.com and use the offer code CAL for 20% discount. And if you'd like to make a custom batch of super soft t-shirts for a company or group event, let me know and I'll connect you with Matt and Jason at Sportique. Wait until you see the looks on people's faces when they feel how soft Sportique fabric is. And if you need office space, do yourself a favor. Go to www.we.co slash cal for 20% discount at WeWork. And remember, a global access pass makes you feel at home wherever ever you are around the world. Want to also thank Philip Lanos for stepping up this week with the audio and Hassan Rumier with the administrative assistance. Want to thank Kevin the manager for being Kevin the manager. And also we got some big developments coming from Elaine Chen and Chelsea O'Brien and some operational wisdom coming down the tracks from the one and only Denise. The best is yet to come. Cheers. Cheers.